take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to the book of Matthew. I'd like you to go to the 25th chapter, Matthew chapter 25. We started Sunday school on Sunday morning, and we considered the background of our theme, Make Me a Servant. It came from a story of a story of a story, basically, because Christ was invited to a dinner. And at that dinner, he told a parable, and at that dinner, he told another story, and a fella said something to him, and he said yet another story, and he taught principles and things. And at the last part of that story, when the man who had actually invited people to come to that dinner said, you know what, we have more room because everybody's refused the invitation. By the refusal of the invitation, he sent out a servant. And the servant, now on his third trip of inviting people to come to his master's table, goes out into the cities, to the streets, into the lanes, and comes and he finds everybody that he could find. Still comes back and says to his master, hey, you know what? We still got room. And the master said, then you go further afield. You go out to the highways and hedges and you compel them to come in. And so this is where we are. We are looking at this quest of being a servant and being used of God. And so what we did on Sunday morning was we talked about how that we as servants of God are owned by him. When Christ paid the penalty for our sin, we were bought with a price. So I, I didn't realize that, but that's really what he did. He bought us. At the same time, we realize not only do we have an owner, but we also have an obligation. It's not an obligation to remain saved. It's an obligation because we are saved. I want to do something. The guy who helped me, I want to do something for is the natural response. And so we have an obligation. And then we also talked about on Sunday morning that we have an opportunity. And this is talking about how we as servants have things that we can do for God. Well, last night we took some time and we talked about Paul's decision in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He made his declaration. He said, I'm free from everybody and everything. And that's true. He said, but I also made a decision. What was his decision? Well, his decision was simple. He said, I'm going to make myself a servant. And the reason why he did that was he said, I as a servant want to be used to evangelize the world for Christ. That's where we are. Make me a servant is about reaching people for Christ. What can I do to reach people for Christ? So tonight I'd like to take you to a passage of Scripture. It's Christ's last public day of ministry. In three days from this passage, He will be on a cross. It's the last bit of teaching he does. It's three parables or three accounts of judgment. One to Israel. One to, uh, let, me, let me just glance down because I lost my train. One to the church, the ta- parable of the talents, and the other to the Gentiles. And in that process of him telling each one of these things, each have a judgment. I'm going to skip the parable about the virgins. I'm going to skip the parable about the ten talents. You can read those at home. I want you to stand with me for the public reading of God's word as we look at Matthew chapter 25. And I'll begin reading in verse number 31. While you're turning there, I want to say to the church, thank you for your kindness in hosting all of us missionaries. Came in tonight and 
It wasn't just food. It was decorated like a Memorial Day picnic. And that was nice. Very, very nice. And thank you for the time that it took to do all of those things. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, And you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw thee we and hungered and fed thee? Or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in? Or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto also, then shall he also say unto them that on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw thee, we, and the hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not, To one of the least of these you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Dear Father, I thank you for the opportunity to read your word in the hearing of your people. Thank you for the call in my life to preach. And the fact that I get to preach here at Memorial Baptist Church tonight thrills my heart. Father, I pray that you will allow me to share the thoughts that you've placed upon my heart for this hour. God, I look at the text, there's so much I want to say, but I really just want to say the things that you want me to say. So help me, Father, to stay focused on what has to be said tonight, and we as a people focus on what you want to tell us. And Father, when the moment of invitation comes... May our hearts be responsive to that work you've done in our lives. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's just a matter of days and Christ will be on the cross. And he shares these last thoughts with those who are in his hearing. He's spoken to them in parables and he tells them about judgments that are coming. Obviously, if you know your Bible timelines you'll understand that this is after the millennial reign. This is, this is when he comes to the valley of Jehoshaphat and he will sit there on his throne and he will judge 
as is evidenced here in the text. Notice what it says, if you would please. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. So we recognize the time frame from which this comes. And the Bible says, And before Him shall be gathered all nations. The word nations there is the idea of every ethnic people group that has ever existed of all of mankind. What a separation. I know we tend to think in political uh, terms of nations. We think about geographical boundaries, but that's not how God sees the world. God sees the world by its ethnicity. That's not any negative statement, but he sees the world by the ethnic group from which they come. Because long before there were new borders or new boundaries, there were just the same people groups that God has always loved and cared for and sent his son to die for. And all nations of the earth will be gathered in this valley. The Bible tells us that he will divide sheep and goats. Notice he puts the sheep on his right hand and he puts the goats on the left hand. Notice the uh, position of power, the sheep that uh, receive from him by being placed on the right hand as this shepherd would divide sheep and goats together. The Bible says that uh, the king shall say unto them, this is the only time in Christ's earthly ministry that he will refer to himself as king. The only time, and it's in this text. And as he's identified himself as the king, the king is going to say to them, watch these words now. He's going to say to them, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This invitation for them to come is this great king, our Lord Jesus Christ, our savior, our God, our father has now brought all people of the earth before him. And they are all there before him. And he separates sheep and goats. And he speaks to the sheep that are his on the right hand. And he speaks to them and he makes it very, very clear to them. You're welcome here. We've been waiting for you. We've been planning on you since before the foundation of the world. In fact... It's not just it, you were in our plan. It's that we've prepared a place for you. You're welcome here. In sharp contrast would be the goats who will then be sent into everlasting darkness. It's unfortunate that you are on the goat side tonight and they're on the sheep side. You want to move now, Boom? Sorry. Okay. It wasn't by design that Dick Sonier sat over here. And he says to the sheep, and he says to the goats, to the sheep, you're welcome here. But to the goats, get out of here. Simple terms. I understand there's far more nuance to what he's saying. And as I contemplate this passage, there's a group of people that are within the sheep side. That as we look at them, we realize that Christ is dealing with them in a different manner. And these are the servants of the king. You recall our theme. Make me a servant. We realize that this is a plea to God to say, I I am inadequate to be a servant. 
unless you do it in me. I am inefficient unless you do a work in me to make me a servant. I have inabilities when it comes to being a servant. I need to be made into the form and fashion. Tonight I want to dwell on the work of a servant. And I want to draw from this passage of Scripture as we see this. He's welcomed these who are his sheep. He's welcomed those who have stood for him. He's welcoming those who have served him. They've served amongst the hungry and the thirsty and the strangers. They've served amongst the naked and the sick and the prisoners. Maybe make, let me make a parenthetical statement now <clears throat> before I forget. When you see the word naked here, I don't want you to think that they are totally without clothes. This is the idea of, of them not having an outer garment. They would have their undergarments, not necessarily what you would think of modern Western underwear, but we're talking about they did not have an outer coat. They were just naked. Not So we look at this and we realize he's welcoming those who've been standing, those who've been serving. He lets them know that he has seen things. Well, also, there's, a, there's two perspectives here. We'll dwell on both of them for just a minute. The first perspective is the perspective of the king. How he saw things of the servants. There is also the servants' perspective. As they looked back toward the same actions and activities that the king saw. Let's deal, first of all, with the king's perspective. This is all by way of introduction because I, I, I don't know if you're going to listen fast enough tonight. So... Let me just give you this just simply and quickly. There are people who have done six tasks for God. These are the servants of the king. The king saw them in their activities, their ministries. Now I want you, as you were studying this idea of being a servant for Christ, I want you to look at it in the terms of, these are the things that I do. I do these things for Christ because I love him. I don't do these things for Christ so I'll be more of a Christian. I do these things because I am a Christian. Never confuse deeds and devotion. There is a difference. I just got my task list of stuff I'm going to do for God and he'll love me more. No, I love God and I just want to do whatever he needs me to do. I'll be glad to do. So there's two perspectives that we have before us tonight. The first is the king. He noticed how he says, the king speaks to them and he said, I saw you do these things and gives a firsthand account of them and their acts of service toward him. You know what that tells me? That God is aware of where his servants are. God sees what I do. God cares about me while I do it. And God counts my service as a credit of doing it to himself. Now look at the servant's perspective. The servant's perspective is unique because the king has said to them, you know, I saw you when you visited the sick. I saw you when you went to prison. I saw you in the midst of your ministry while you fed those were, who were hungry. You clothed those who didn't have outer garments. And you gave water to those who were thirsty. I saw those things. And he said, I saw them on a first-hand account. It wasn't just that I had seen them and I watched as you did it. He said, no, when I saw your service as a servant, I saw it as you doing it to me directly. 
Well, the servants are baffled. Surely they would have recognized if they were giving water to the king. Surely they would have recognized that they would have given food to a hungry king. Surely they would have recognized that our king is without an outer garment. I would have noticed it was him to whom I was giving this coat. Surely our king, if he were sick and I visited him, I would have known that that was my king that I went to see. I didn't see the king on those accounts. And why would my king be in prison? My king is the king of kings. Why on earth would my king be in prison? But he said, you did it to me. Oh, the servant's perspective is baffling. Because he's thinking, I am not going to doubt my king's word. My king's testimony stands above all. The word of God stands sure. But he said, I did it to him. You see, heaven's perspective on the deeds and acts of a servant is quite different than our own. We see the hungry. We see the naked. We see the thirsty. We see the sick. We see the imprisoned. We see the stranger. And we simply say, that's how my Savior looks at things. When he saw the multitude, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And when you get servant vision of looking at people, you'll then understand, that's how he sees them, I see them. But there's a deeper level of his sight that we have to recognize. He said, I just, all I did was I, I fed that hungry person. I didn't feed the king. I quenched the thirst of the thirsty person. I gave him a drink. I didn't give a cup of water to the king. I know I would have remembered that. I know I've been busy in serving the Lord, but if there was a stranger and the stranger was the king, surely I would have recognized that was the king that I gave housing to. And if the king was in prison and I saw it, I know I would remember that. And if the king was without lodging and without in prison, and if he was sick, I know I would have remembered. And it is then that the king shares his perspective and lets the servant know, I watched you because it was me. It is to the benefit of every person whom God makes a servant. It is to their benefit to remember That in as much as you have done it to someone else, Christ said, you did it for me. You did it to me. The last thing, even though it's assumed I like to embarrass people, I don't. this case, my intentions are honorable. So forgive the suspect feeling that you have already in your heart toward me. If you work in the bus ministry, would you stand? You mean this church, another church, it doesn't matter. I am not going to ask you to stand longer than I'll preach. Bill? When you knock on the door of that kid 
that might end up a missionary? And you knock on that door. Christ said, you visited me. So that's just a snotty-nosed kid who is so rebellious, I'm almost ready to kick him off the route. And Christ said, Bill, thank you, because you did that to me. And he might have grown up and become a missionary, and he might become a mass murderer, but it doesn't matter. You did your service, and I was that kid. Does that change your perspective, sir? You ride on that bus and you give up your time on Sunday to be with your family in order to be able to go out and pick up these kids, adults and otherwise, and they have the opportunity to come. And you're there and you're thinking, nobody recognizes what I'm doing. I'm telling you, the king of all glory is watching the bus routes. He's seeing what you're doing. And he's saying, I haven't forgotten that. When the kids came in on on your bus Sunday morning when I was out there in the parking lot and I'm hearing them sing, Jesus loves me. Those kids are the people who represent our king. And he said, I see that. The question is, do you see it like he sees it? I'm not an applaud guy in church. I think applause is for secular. And uh, praising God, amen, is for uh, the sacred. I don't have a hat on because I'm in church. You shouldn't wear a hat in church, but I tip my hat to you and say thank God for what you people are doing. Please, Please be seated. You get tired. You give up time. And Christ said, you did it to me. Where's my Sunday school teachers? Would you stand? You teach Sunday school. It can be here or another work, another church. Are you standing, Miss Fina? No, I was just kidding. Please, no, Fina, stand, please. I was just talking about... God knows the wickedness in my heart. You teach Sunday school. And week after week you think, are these students even getting it? He said, I saw you when you gave them your time. I saw them when you did that and you did it to me. Well, I can't applaud and I can't offer you any praise. I can't offer you anything because I get it. I'm a servant too. I got a different job than you. But I want you to realize this from the servant's perspective. The king looks at what you're doing and he says, I see you and I recognize what you're doing and I know that you're doing it. To me, don't ever forget those kids and those adults that are in your class. They represent the king. Be seated. If I wasn't a bus worker, I'd want to be one. If I wasn't a Sunday school teacher and I was qualified to be one, I'd want to be one. You say, well, Is that all? No. If you serve in the nursery, would you stand? (laughs) 
Now, if you're wondering where Kim Fain is, she's in the nursery again. During shaking hands time, I went back there. I said, I want to see the nursery sign-up sheet of how many nights you've signed up for. You say, Brother O'Malley, nursery, that's nothing. Christ himself said, suffer the little children. You put up with it. You let them come to me. Thank God we have... That's my line. Thank God is my line. Let me do my part. I came all this way to say that line and you're just going to mouth off. Thank God for these who will come and go and watch the babies in the nursery. Changing the diapers of tomorrow's youth group. For all of a sudden, then a mom and a dad can sit in church and focus on the message that's being preached. And be able to hear the word of God and grow. So when they take those babies home that you've watched, that they are able to take those children home. Better parents, better Christians, because they sat in the church service. And if any of you skip your nursery duty, recognize what you're missing. Recognize what you're missing. You're missing ministry to the king. We've got royalty in our nurseries. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. We forget sometimes how Christ sees what servants do. I can think of times I was a bus captain and knocking doors and thinking, these kids, are they even worth it? Teaching, preaching. You think, are they really listening? I mean, is it, is it really worth going down to Florida for 11 services and be away from my family? Is it worth it? And then I realized what the king says. John, I saw you. You weren't preaching to them. You were preaching to me. I was the one who had them out there. And they were the ones who were sick. And they were the ones who were in prison. And they were the ones that were naked. And they were the ones that were hungry. And they were the ones that were the strangers. And they were the ones that were the thirsty. And he said, I saw, sent them there. And I watched you. And when you did it, you were doing it to me. So that brings me to my message tonight. I see the king's perspective. I see the servant's perspective. The servant's perspective comes from a proper worldview, but the servant's perspective also has some wondering. As I mentioned to you from the text a few moments ago, the servants couldn't remember. I imagine for a crying baby in the nursery of the church, I imagine... Would you, this is a new Bible. I can't find Matthew. Would you help me? 25, get me back to my place. It's the first time I'm preaching from that Bible. I was like, where is it? I know, I'm saying the book's Genesis. What's the next one? I'm sure you've never looked at the kid in the nursery saying, you know what? I'm doing this for the king. The bus worker, I'm doing this for the king. And I'm sure as those servants who stand in that valley, 
and they hear the king of kings say, Inasmuch as you did it unto these, you've done it unto me. And that makes me realize, did you find your place yet for me? Yeah, I don't either. This is a Bible for church. This is not a Bible for preaching. I just found that out tonight. It says in this passage of Scripture, and this is the passage that stuck in my mind firmly, verse 40. After the servants wonder and wondered, when did we see thee a stranger or thirsty or hungry? When did we see thee naked and in prison? And, and when did we see you that you were sick? And the Bible says in verse 40, to me it's the game changer. And the king shall answer. And the king shall answer and say unto them, There are four things that I see the king wants his servants to know. Those of you who will say, make me a servant, Lord. Use me whatever cause for world evangelism. Show me what I can do for you. I want you to realize this. All of those times you changed the diapers, all the times you prepared the lesson, the times that you picked up the kids that said they, or you were going to try to pick up the kids that promised that they would come and they didn't come, and you go by their door anyway, and you go to the jails, and our ladies are going to the jails now and working, and you have these who are going out in their various fields of ministry, and they're going out there and you say, it seems like they don't care. It seems like they don't understand. It seems like it's not important to them. I'm going to tell you, there will be a day where a heaven's silence will be broken and the king will have a reply for you. Then shall the king say, when the servant has wondered, how have I done this? I didn't know I was doing this. And the king says, I've got something to tell you. And I want you to see the four responses of the king. The first is his reassurance. I want you to realize this, that there will be a day where the king replies to me. Notice what it says, he will say, unto them. He then says he will review our work. Truly, verily, I say, there will be a day where he will reward our work. He will send us to life eternal. He will send them to life that is in hell. And what we have to be reassured of is his presence and his power and his promise has been with us. And all the days that you were wondering, does heaven even know what I'm doing? I assure you, the king will reply one day and say, I saw you in the nursery. Even when your heart wasn't there, but you were. I saw you in the Sunday school classroom. I saw you on the bus route. I saw you on church visitation. Missionary, I saw you working in the jails and the prisons of America and South Florida. I saw you in Spain. I saw you in East Africa. I saw you in Cordova, Alaska. I saw you in Guam. Help me, I'm looking for the rest of my missionaries. I know I got Ivan Ponape, he's not here. And I got prison guy in the back, he just took your kids to some foreign prison. Hopefully he'll get them back. He said, I saw you in those places. Heaven will not be silent 
about your service to our king. Second thing I want you to see tonight is not only that, he said, but I want you to see the king's recollection. He said, because when you did those deeds of service, I saw it as you doing it to me. It's a game changer. When you stand in this choir and you realize, oh, I'm just getting to sing. It's not that. Christ said, I'm going to use your service, whatever it is, whatever you make yourself available to do for Christ, that's what he said. You're doing that to me. So there's this response that we get from the king. And there is also his recollection because the way he recalls it is different than the way we recall it. He said, well, I was just on the bus route. He said, but yeah, you were picking me up. I just went to the jail on Saturday morning. Yeah, but uh, you were visiting me. I just watched the kids in the nursery, changed a few diapers, wiped a few noses, and hugged a few babies. But he said, that was me. I, I helped a missionary out. Yeah, you were doing it to me. You see, the way God will recall your service will not be the way you recall that service number three. Notice what he says in the text, if you would, please. In verse number uh, 37, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw thee we a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick in prison or, and, came thee, uh, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it. Unto me. I want you to see the king's relationship. The king looks at the destitute. He looks at the down and outers. He looks at every person your ministry touches. And says, those are my people. He looks at the Spaniards and says, those are my people. The kids who go to camp. They're my people. Brother Seabass, Mrs. Seabass, they go to uh, um, the, the prisons of South Florida. And he says, those are, those are my brethren. It's a game changer when you realize the fact that wherever you go, I think about Amy and Leslie headed up to uh, Cordova, Alaska. You just can't get there without going on purpose. In non-fishing season, how many people live there? 2,500 folks. 12 feet of rain a year and 12 feet of snow. Whoa, yeah. And he said, I, I saw you when you went out there. And when you went to that remote place away from everybody you ever have known, I saw you as doing it to me. And he said, those are my brethren. In fishing season, how many are there? 6,000. So the town about triples in size during fishing season. Now those guys who come from the Philippines and Japan and all over the world to come fish there commercially, those are me. And the folks out on Guam, 
both the Chamaran and the, and the other international people that are living. He said, those, are, those people are me. They're my brethren. What a God. What a Savior that would look at the lowest of the low and say, that's my crowd. But that's the kind of Savior, savior we have. So we talk about the Savior's reassurance. We talk about the Savior's recollection. We talk about the Savior's relationship. He related to them. But could I get you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6? And I want you to look at verse 9 through verse 12. Brother Farley, I put a marker on this one so I won't need your help. Verse 9, I want to talk to you about the king's reward. Or in other words, his remembrance. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that Ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. You know what that means? That God will remember. He will never forget your occupation for Him. He will never forget the pain that you suffer. He will never forget the sacrifices that you made. He will never forget what you did in His name for the saints. He will never forget what you've done for His servants. He will never forget what you've done for those who are suffering. I tell you, don't stop. Don't stumble. Don't stagger. There's a great work that must be done for our King. And if we're signing up to be a servant to say, God, use me in any way you want, know this. The king will watch you. The king will remember you. The king will reward you. The king is related to you. And all he wants to see you do is express your love to him as you serve. And not forget that that's what you're doing. If you work in church, do stuff, you know it's very easy to get in a rut. I have to go to do my bus route now. I have to go teach Sunday school. I have to do nursery tonight. You ought to have that thing reversed. I get to go do my bus route. I get to go rub the heads of some kids who are children of the king. I get to go teach some people in my Sunday school class that the king has placed in my charge. And the king is watching. And while it may seem menial and trivial, the king is looking at it saying, Thanks. Thanks. Look at the practical aspect of what they did. Six things. It involves giving of treasure, time, and talent. That's what servants do. Why do we do it? To further the cause of the king. So when we look at the the responsibility of the faith promise offering that we'll receive on next Sunday, we look at that and we say, okay, what is my responsibility as a servant when it comes to giving? It's just simply to do the task that he puts before me and not to question and just simply say, I get to serve the king in whatever I do. God used me as a servant to give. They gave clothing, food, 
shelter, time for those who were in the hospital, time for those who were in prison. They gave of their talents that they had to address all of those needs. So you see what a servant does? A servant gives. Not to the individual in front of them. But to the king. Who said. Those are my brethren. Would you stand with me?